0: Well, the first week of April is just about in the books. Time is flying, but that's good because what means we're another day closer to the NFL draft. Just under three weeks to go at this point, and we're looking forward to it. So uh, not a bad way to wrap up our week on this Friday. Talking about some more draft conversations for the Bengals as far as other positions of need. We've talked about running back, uh, offensive tackle, tight end. So now we're going to look at cornerback. Talk about more defensive prospects for the Bengals welcome into another pre-draft edition of the Strictly Stripes podcast Muhammad Ahmad Andrew Gillis Mike Nislick, all back together after my special guest Lance Reisland joined me on Thursday as we talked all things Joe Burrow now we're talking all things draft uh, so guys what we've kind of been doing obviously to refresh those who uh, didn't tune in earlier this week you know I had you guys kind of lay out who would you pick at tight end and then what round and why? Same thing with running back. Same thing with offensive tackle. Um, before I actually get you guys' take on like who would you want the Bengals to pick and win uh, at cornerback, I want to actually kind of get your thoughts first off on just considering like you know with the flexibility of twentieth overall pick. We've talked about all the positions I mentioned. We've even talked about edge rusher as a possibility, which we'll talk about in the future. But would it be crazy for the Bengals to consider cornerback? at the number 20 overall pick. I mean, I know we've talked about it before, but with all that we've discussed up to this point, does it just feel more out of the ordinary for the Bengals to do that? Or do you think that's still something that's within reach?
1: No, I, I don't think a first round cornerback is, is necessarily the craziest thing in the world. I mean, I would be surprised by it. Uh, I mean, this kind of, this kind of gets into uh, a bit of a hint as to who I'm going to say for, for one of my guys later uh, in, in the podcast. But I, I mean, I think if you're going to talk about, premier positions in the NFL draft I mean think about what they are their offensive tackle I mean assuming quarterback is obviously not a part of that because that's it that's a given I mean you're talking offensive tackle you're talking receiver You're talking pass rushers and you're talking defensive backs and I, to me it, it's kind of hard to justify or it's not hard to justify drafting a player at one of those premium positions uh, in the first round I mean if you really like a corner and, and think that you know, they can help you that, uh, you know, that to me doesn't sound insane. So again, cornerback is, is such a valuable position in this league that, uh, you know, I mean, if you, I mean, if you're sitting there at 28 and hey you really like Keely Ringo, if you really like Deontay Banks, like those are two guys, I think if you really like them, pull the trigger.
2: Yeah, but you better not be reaching at that point. I mean, you better be trying to get value uh, because it's not a position necessarily that's a huge, like, glaring need for this roster, and it's not a guy that necessarily will have a lot of time to play. I mean, you know, they know more about Cheeto's injury status than we do, obviously, Um, and so I think it's dependent upon that. But if he's good to go, I mean, he was one of the best quarterbacks in the league before he got injured last year in terms of production and numbers. Um, and, you know, I don't think you're looking for necessarily his replacement right off the bat. I think he's a guy that is very important to this defense, um, and so I, I think it's not sort of a priority, but if you can get somebody that, you know, was a higher guy that fell, that you see some value in maybe, but I, I also think that's more of a, like a, a depth pick at this point where, you know, I've stressed kind of throughout this week where I sort of view it the other way where you're trying to prioritize – you're not trying to prioritize you know, replacing guys in the future. You're trying to find guys that can contribute now. You know, not just on special teams or, you know, uh, in, in um, uh, mop up time against you know Carolina Panthers like last year. You need um, somebody to help this team. And I don't necessarily think a cornerback right now, um, you know, that's going to happen for a first round pick.
0: You guys really kind of lay out the case there of what it should look like. I like what Mike said about, you know, you better not be reaching in the sense of like, you really know what you're getting and it's kind of a must grab player. And I think some people maybe listening might have some anxiety as to whether or not the Bengals draft a corner in the first round, really because you look at the three cornerbacks they drafted in the first round uh, in the last decade. Dre Kirkpatrick, Darquez Denard, and William Jackson the Third. Other than maybe Kirkpatrick, who I still don't think really lived up to the bill that, that he should have lived up to, those guys didn't work out. I mean, Denard didn't really play much his first few years. I mean, Jackson, just that really went out the wayside. I mean, he's moved around so much for that reason. So, I mean, they clearly didn't work out. And I think they've probably learned a lot from that. So, it's not that they're going to shy away from that but i also think kind of like mike said like if you're gonna make that decision like you've done before like you gotta really really make sure especially knowing you have other big holes to fill so i'm I'm so glad you mentioned that because there's a lot of historical context to a pick like that in the draft but to kind of go back to uh the question of who would you guys want to get and when would you want to get them um who are like we've doing with the other picks uh, and other positions, who would you guys want to get at cornerback? And when do you think the Bengals should get, you know, X, Y, or Z player in the draft?
1: Yeah, uh, I think Mike went yesterday, so I'll go first today. There um, you go. So to me, uh, you know, one of the guys who I really, really like in this class uh, is, is Julius Brents, uh, the cornerback out of Kansas State. Uh, he's six foot three, 198 pounds, and he's got 34 inch arms. Uh, I mean, that's pretty pretty big to, to play cornerback in the NFL. Uh, but you know, he, he ran a four five three 40 yard dash at the combine. He jumped 41 and a half inches. Like big guys do not move that fast. Big guys do not jump that high. Typically, it's kind of one or the other. You know, if you draft a Cam Taylor Britt type, you know, a guy who's going to run, you know, a four three eight or something like that you're talking somebody who's five foot 11 and 190 pounds. Like you're not talking the biggest guys in the world. So I think, you know, Brent's kind of being that athletic freak. It's a little bit of a different type of uh, athlete that the Bengals have drafted in the past at corner. Uh, you know, I mentioned Cam Taylor, Britt, Dax Hill was a really good athlete. Uh, Nick Scott, you know, back when he when he, when he was uh, kind of at his pro days, he, he had some nice times. So, Again, I I think that Julius Brent's at the end of the second round, uh, which is kind of where I think you could really make that pick, he offers you what I said at the top. You get a premier position player in one of your early picks. You know, I think it makes much more sense to draft a tackle and a corner and a pass rusher in the early rounds and try and get a linebacker and a guard and a running back in the mid to late rounds. Um, I think that makes more sense to try and get those premier guys early. You know, theoretically, those guys have higher ceilings. So, you know, you need somebody in, in year one to, to kind of fill that Trey Flowers role. You know, Trey Flowers is still, you know, free agent. You know, obviously the Bengals still could theoretically bring him back. But you're not going to go through a season, like Mike said, we don't know what Cheeto's health is. So let's even let's even assume that he's going to be healthy and ready to go week one. You're not going to go through 17 games with Mike Hilton and Cam Taylor-Britt and Shelby Wuzier at full health, no hiccups. They play 100% of the snaps you're gonna need depth at that position and you'd have you'd want to have depth at that position considering what the position is you know you'd much rather be kind of skimping at linebacker or something like that than you would a corner so you know i, I really like julius brents as a player uh, i think he's going to be a really good corner and uh, i think he's got some athleticism that you can you can mold into something pretty special
2: yeah, he was on a list. Like you're going to go early, you know, a guy in the first three rounds. Um, Brent's probably, you know, like you said, second round range uh, would be a good pick. Um, you know, not scheme dependent either. You know, I think one of the important things when you're looking at a lot of these guys is trying to find a guy that um, could match with what Lou and Ruma likes, which is sort of mixing up coverage. Um, so you're not looking at a guy that just, uh, you know, is good um, in man or, or, you know, just good in zone. I think you, ha- you have to have uh versatility, um and I and I think that's really important. And I and I think Julius Brent fits that bill. I think a guy in the top three, uh DJ Turner from Michigan, um a little smaller of uh, a uh, corner, but uh ridiculous athletic numbers, you know, four, two, six, 40 yard dash. Um you know, I think is a guy that, that fits that mold. But like I said, I would look outside the top three rounds for a cornerback. I think kind of the the guy, you know, in a round four uh would be you know Garrett Williams out of Syracuse um 5 foot 10 192 pounds, like i mentioned um scheme wise uh, i think could fit you know as an outside corner that could do both um which is what uh Luonarua likes um you know he he had an injury uh last year but uh should be ready for the start of the season and i think that might even you know knock him down a little bit you know where you could get him in that fourth round you know solid uh and, and you know get some value there so um, was very productive when he was in the lineup, um, but like I said, I I think you look outside those top three rounds. One pick that intrigued me uh, was that uh, Noah Daniels out of TCU, who's very uh, his injury history is crazy, um, but it, it, you know has been sort of like this guy that people say would have been a consensus, you know, first round, second round pick if he had stayed healthy throughout his college career. Um, he's a guy where. Uh, the Bengals can take a chance in a late round pick because um, you can be able to develop somebody. Um, Cause I, I, I do think you don't need this. It's not a necessarily a position that um, you need to find somebody that, you know, ready day one, that you can, um, you know, take a flyer on somebody like that and try to get uh take, you know, get a home run in, in a late round pick.
0: Yeah. I think that's uh, what you really laid out there is important because like, you know, Louie Rumo says, like, give me edge rushers and give me corners. Like, you know, those are two of his favorite positions. Like he said this, you know, even at the combine, I'm pretty sure he said that. Yeah, he said that then. And, you know, you laid out, what does he look for? Like you want someone who it's cliche to say multidimensional, but can you play man? Can you play zone? Can you play different base defenses? And actually to that point, Mike, that's actually why I think who I'm about to say would be a great fit for the Bengals, not just for those reasons, but because, you know, ball just doesn't lie like this guy I think is the real deal and that is uh someone I've mentioned on this podcast who I'm going to mention again and that's Emmanuel Forbes uh cornerback from Mississippi State I mean he's got the size 6'1 he's got you know 32 plus inch arms which for a corner is really good if you're trying to you know get a guy who could reach I mean his athleticism his production the combination of the two the synergy is just amazing I mean he was you know, the second highest graded, uh, cornerback at the combine, according to NFL next gen stats, you know, his 40 yard dash, a four, three, five, one of the fastest at his position. The dude's got speed. He's got reach. Um, he had three pick sixes. Uh, I think it was his junior. Yeah. Yeah. It was his junior year. Three pick sixes tied third nationally with six total interceptions last year. Um, and he also had pick six is dead. He holds the NCAA record for most uh, touchdowns returned on an interception, so he made history while he was at Mississippi State playing for Mike Leach, you know, one of the great minds. May he rest in peace. Uh, But he really coached him well. Uh, One of the better players at Mississippi State. The only concern I would have with him is he's so aggressive that maybe he'll be like a double-move target for receivers who might take advantage of that. Um, Maybe he needs a little more discipline playing, you know, high to low in zone coverage, but I mean, his pre-snap recognition, like when you look at his video, just the reads he has before the ball is snapped, uh, just the way he uses his length as a recovery tool, it's really hard to throw over the top with him. And I mean, you know, I think he's projected more in the second round, uh, especially, I think he was more second, third round, but after the combine, he seems to be more of a second round guy. So, I mean, you just look at his physicality, his numbers the different defenses he played at Mississippi state. Like he played different formations, which is why I think the Bengals would love that he's met with Lou Anarumo. Um, and he said at the combine that Lou Anarumo is a guy who, you know, shoots you straight. And that's kind of what Emmanuel Forbes likes. And It seems like maybe that's what the Bengals like. I believe I saw a report that the Bengals are set to uh, uh, host him or he's supposed to, they're going to do something with him. Like the Bengals are going to meet with him at some point uh, in the coming days. The, so, you know, we'll, we'll see what that means. But, yeah, I really think that's a guy that uh, the Bengals should target. Uh, and They should target him in the second round, regardless of, you know, whether they go offensive tackle, tight end uh, in the first round, you know, with respect to whatever happens uh, with the rest of the draft. But uh, when we come back, we're going to kind of compare and contrast our picks, kind of look at where we think the consensus is for the Bengals in terms of cornerback and what that means with the other positions we've talked about. Plus, much more to come right here on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Hey, thanks for staying with us on the Strictly Stripes podcast. Before we get back into our cornerback on uh, pre, uh, we get back to our discussion uh, rather on uh, pre-draft cornerbacks. I want to remind you guys to sign up for Cincinnati Football Insider. Uh, it's our subtext service that brings you all the latest uh, Bengals breaking news analysis opinion, and content. It's easy to sign up. Go to cleveland.com slash Bengals. Click on that blue banner at the top of the page. Um, It's $4.99 a month, but it's a two-week free trial to start. And believe me, you're not going to want to cancel when you see how awesome the Cincinnati Football Insider Community is. So again, make sure you do that. It's easy and it's worth it. So we've talked about who we think the Bengals should target at cornerback in this year's draft. Uh, And I think me, Mike, and Andrew had some different but very similar picks. Um, Like between who I picked with Emmanuel Forbes and with who Andrew picked with Julius Brents, like does that kind of fit the mold that you were talking about that Lou Anarumo is looking for in a cornerback? Or do you think it's just hard to say at this point?
2: Well, I think Brents does certainly. But I I also, like I said, for me – I just view I I would not take a corner in the first three rounds. I think Brents would be a a, a good pick. Uh, Forbes, I'm not sure that he'll be in their sort of range. I've seen him even go high as like the the mid in the first round. So, um, you know, I I think that uh, for me, yeah, those guys fit, but uh, it's more just um, uh, I view it as a position not of need right now, and, and I think they should be. Um, unless I, like I said, there's a, a, a guy that slips. I think they should be focused on adding talent that could that could you know has space to play in the lineup week one. and I just don't necessarily see that um, unless Cheeto's behind in his rehab, which is uh, kind of been the opposite of what they said. They said he's had kind of the head of the timeline um, you know to to uh, focus on that.
0: Andrew, Andrew, what do you think of Emmanuel Forbes? Like is that a guy that you think might be a good pick in the second round for the Bengals if they go that route instead?
1: I mean, I would prefer the guy that I said over, right. <laughs> over <laughs> Emmanuel Forbes.
0: But, but if it came down to it like if he wasn't available and Forbes was, like what would you think yeah, of that?
1: I mean, I think you, you would you kind of look at at some of the corners that, you know, this team has right now. Uh, Cam Taylor Britt, obviously second round pick last year ran a 4 three eight 40 yard dash at the combine Cheeto when he was uh, a 2017 draftee of the Cowboys ran a 443 at the combine Dax Hill last year 4 three eight at the combine Nick Scott 445 five at the combine like there there's a pretty clear line that the Bengals like guys that can move in uh, in terms of running in the in the secondary so you know I know Mike meant, mentioned DJ Turner uh, if I'm not mistaken, I think he had the fastest 40 time of uh of all corners at this year's combine. It was four two six four two six. Yep. Yeah, so exactly. Yeah. So there you go. Um yeah. so you know, again, you're I, I think uh, you know, Deontay Banks was up there, uh Keely Ringo, those were two of the guys that I kind of mentioned at the top of the show that hey, you know, if they're there in the first round, if you like those guys, you know, you can absolutely do that. So I think Forbes fits that list, uh just because you know he did what did you say he ran Muhammad? A four a four what? He ran a four three five. Yeah. So, I mean, that certainly kind of fits that mold of, of guys that you want. I mean, the Bengals haven't really shown over the last couple of years that, you know, they're really willing to draft guys who, uh, hey, maybe they're a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit slower, but they're really, really good with with scheme and things like that. Or, you know, they're really technical. Like, they like traits. They like traits that you can see, you know, kind of both uh, on film and traits that you can time with your hands. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think Forbes fits. I think there's a lot of guys that fit. And uh, I mean, I, I drafting athletes in the secondary, when you kind of look at some of the other teams in the division and some of the other teams in the conference, it makes sense to me.
0: Yeah, no, I definitely hear that. You know, Mike was mentioning that this is more of a depth position of need, because obviously, like, it, it's all contingent on Chadobia Wuzier's rehab timeline, which we don't know as much about compared to the team. But although obviously it's not the most prioritized position compared to like, you know, we talked about offensive tackle and, you know, tight end this week. Is there still value is for either of you guys? I mean, is there still value in like building for the future? Because what if you think you're not going to keep Chadobia Biawuzia, you know, in 2020 past 2023. And then, you know, you sign Sidney Jones, he's a one year insurance option. I mean, you're, not really going to want to depend on a guy like that. You just happen for this year to have depth. I mean, is there value in doing that now, to where you're you're not just getting a guy behind Cheeto, but you're planning for a world without Chido Biabuse? Or is that maybe too early right now?
1: Well, I, I think it it depends on on best player available. I think you know a lot of teams say they draft best player available. Uh, but oh no! Wouldn't you know? This team really needs a receiver, and it just so happened that this player was at the top of their board. Like, I, I think, I think you you have to kind of draft for for best player available, no matter what situation you're in. Um, I mean, you can obviously take uh take some liberties with that, but again, it, you you know, you don't want to be in a situation where you know if you draft a guy who hey look he can contribute right away you know if you're drafting a corner cuz they, they still need some depth there i think but you know you know if you're drafting a corner and saying hey look hey he's going to be a special teams contributor in 2023 but we really don't think he can do much of anything beyond that we think he's just going to kind of always be a depth piece like you you're putting yourself in trouble in future years and those are the years that you're really going to need some younger some cheaper guys to kind of step up because this team is going to get more expensive. I mean, and by that, I mean the best players on this team are going to get more expensive. Burrow, Higgins, Chase. I mean, whether or not you keep all those guys is one thing. You're obviously going to keep Chase and, and Burrow, but, I mean, T. Higgins is still going to cost a lot of money, and even if T. Higgins is gone, you're still paying, you know, Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase, you know, what, 70 million, $80 million? Like, that's a lot of money. So I just think, uh, you know, you're going to need players that can play and – You know, I think if you can kind of get yourself in a hole long term, if you start drafting players for, you know, for one or two years for kind of a short term game.
2: Yeah, but I mean, this is the year to do it, right? Like, I mean, I I think the I think finding an impact player even I mean, I don't know why you why it'd be, you know, for one or two years. Like, I mean, you'd hope that work out more. But I mean, you want I think you need the biggest impact now because uh, you're set up to win the Super Bowl now. Like, I, I, drafting a player that you could start in three years and project out, I think would be just kind of crazy at this point. I, I think that they, um, you know, need to g- get over the hump. I mean, they came close to the Super Bowl each of the last two years. Um, You could see how quickly it could, it could vanish, um, you know, when the Rams and, and other recent, uh, you know, Super Bowl-level teams, um, you know, saw the Eagles, the turnover on their defense this year, um, I just think you just you go for it. Um, you know, worry three years. You know, worry about that cornerback because you're going to start three years from now. Later, I, I think you need the guy now that could help you. But
1: couldn't you? So, kind of on that though, I, I this is more of a roster building question than a cornerback question. But I mean, couldn't you make the case? I mean, the the Bengals. The odds are the Bengals are not going to win the Super Bowl next season. And I don't mean that to say you know they're they're bad or or whatever. I'm just saying that. The odds are they're not going to. I mean, you've got the 49ers should be better than they were a year ago. The Eagles are still really good, and that's just across the conference. You've got the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs beat them in the AFC title game. The Ravens, you could argue, should have beat them in the wild card game. Like, the Bills are still going to be really good. Uh, the, who knows what's going on with the Chargers? Maybe Trevor Lawrence is really good. Like I, I just think you can, you can kind of talk yourself into, hey, one random weekend, you lose in the divisional round, and then what do you have to show for it? So like, couldn't you make the case that like anything can happen? You need to kind of understand that and build your team for as best as you can get it. Kind of whether and th- whether that's this year or next year and and beyond. I think you can. I think you can make that case, right?
2: Well, no, because you have a Super Bowl. Te- uh, the 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 caliber roster you have right now is probably the highest it's going to be, um, because of the way the contracts are are situated. Right. Like once. Jamar and Joe Burrow, at a minimum, are locked into longer term deals. You're never going to probably have the talent pool that you have now. So I think, even though other teams are better, whatever the landscape is, you have the best roster you're going to have probably the next five years. So the idea is to get, you know, you need short term, you need to, you want to, you want to get that boost because you're so close. And I think you need to amass the talent now for that short term. Uh, prioritize that now over, you know, something in three years when your roster is going to be less than no matter what. I
1: I think that's, I agree with you. I just think that that's a free agency argument. I don't think that's a draft argument. I think if if I, like, I agree that that should be the kind of the philosophy for free agency where, hey, look, this is, this is a short window. Like if we're going to spend like, you know, pissed off teenager with, with, you know, mom and dad's credit card, like now's the time to do it. Uh, I think that that's kind of the way you look at it with free agency, but well, with yeah, the draft, I, I wouldn't do that.
2: They sort of didn't do that in free agency. I mean, they, they, they signed Brown, but then sort of pinched pennies elsewhere. Right. I think the, the, I think it translates into the first three rounds. You have to draft players that are ready and at positions that can play. Um. So that, that's kind of how I define it. Not, uh. you know, you're not going to be able to do that all seven rounds. You know, that's not the philosophy that should carry you through the late, the late picks, but, um, finding guys, you know, don't draft a project at round in the first round. Don't draft a tackle that projects well in three years, you know, because I think there is a difference between guys. Um, so, you know, if like a, you know, Nolan Smith or something drops to you, I mean, I think that's probably an extreme example. But, yeah, maybe pass rusher is not what you need uh, in three years or, or, or how you wanted to build it, but he's maybe the guy that could give you the biggest boost now versus a, uh, a tackle that can't get in the lineup, you know, if you keep Jonah Williams. That's kind of how I view it uh, because they did not splurge in free agencies, so they do need guys at multiple positions to make an impact, so that's why you can't be drafting a corner when you need a running back that's going to play. Like, I don't think Chris Evans is it, you know, so. Or Travion uh, Williams. And, and tight end, you know, uh, Devin is not a guy that you should be, you know, your, your second team tight end. So. Um, that's that's kind of how I see it.
0: So Andrew's kind of looking at it for more of like, uh <clears throat> excuse me, he's looking at it for more of a, uh, yeah, you know, hopefully he gets in, but more so you want to just focus on the future as much as you can. Whereas Mike is more like, I don't want to say instant gratification, but more like, nope, get it done now, push now, work now, and then whatever happens in the future happens in the future beyond, like I should say, 2023. So is that kind of like where you guys are with it? Where Mike's like, get it all done now, and Andrew's like slow and steady wins the race. Is that kind of how you guys look at this in terms well, of like the draft process? Sort of,
1: sort of but I mean, I, I, I think you, you stick to your board and I mean, if you're sitting in the fourth round and you know, there's, there's a receiver that you, you have a second round grade on. I'm cool with that. Like, because you know, again, it might not help you in 2023, but it might help you in 2023. You know, I mean, think of, I mean, T. Higgins was kind of banged up this year. Jamar Chase got banged up this year. Tyler Boyd's finger nearly fell off. Like, you're, you're <laughs> in a situation where guys don't get through the year healthy. You know, you know I mean, you ne- obviously, you know, injuries are, are terrible and, and you never want to see anybody get injured on anybody's team. That's a given. But, I mean, what happens if, you know, a player at a significant position, you know, blows a knee on the fifth day of training camp? And, you know, you kind of went for, hey, we need a running back. We need this. We need that. When, okay, well, now, you know, Cam Taylor-Britt's out two months and you didn't draft a corner, even though he was, you know, you had, let's say, Julius Brent's high on your board. You know, you went with a, uh, you went with a running back because you were like, hey, we don't need a corner. Well, now all of a sudden you need a corner pretty bad. So I, I don't know. I just think so many things can happen during the course of a season where, you know, you you can you can think it's long term, but long it gets late early, and in, uh, in sometimes in the NFL. So you know by the by the end of the season, you need guys that can play that did not start the year. I mean, think about it in Buffalo. I mean, Jackson Carmen was playing on the offensive line. Max Sharping was starting. Like you had a, a, a pretty much a completely revamped offensive line. You had three new guys compared to to compared to week one, and and Ted Karras got hurt in that game, and he played through it, and. You just – you never know what can happen. So I just think, you know, if you were going to do the, hey, we're going to worry about the, the future later, we're going to sign a bunch of guys now, it wouldn't be a free agency. When, you, when it comes to the draft, I don't think you can do that.
0: Yeah, I think the reason why I'm, I'm kind of glad this discussion went the way it did is because, like, you know, we talked about those first three spots, like tackle, tight end, running back. Like, you need those now. You need them to get the ball rolling in 23. But quarterback's one of those great years where it's like, yeah, I mean, you need a corner, you need someone, but like, you know, how far do you need to focus on that in the draft? Like, do you really need to focus on it that early? If so, I mean, like, I'm kind of like with what Mike was saying, like, you got to make sure it's an impact player. That's why I think Forbes in the second round would be good. And I think that's somewhat consistent with what I've said with other positions about like where you fill the holes left and right with that. Um I think if you want to just kind of do like a really an honorable mention of like other guys at quarterback that I didn't mention, if you want to focus later in the draft where it's a mix of like, yeah, yeah, If they play now, they'll be fine, but they're also going to be better in the future. Kind of like how Mike said Garrett Williams, kind of behind him. I like Eli Ricks from uh, Alabama. Uh, I also like Clark Phillips from Utah. Phillips is actually an interesting one because he reminds me a lot of Emmanuel Forbes, except that uh, Phillips plays more in the slot. So he'd be really good for like that Trey Flowers backup role behind Mike Hilton. Um, He also has four pick sixes, so that's where he's kind of similar to... Um, Emmanuel Forbes but yeah I mean he's a lot smaller though which is the biggest knock on him doesn't change what he put production wise in college in the combine but um, that's kind of my honorable mention there I just wanted to throw that out there I've also written about both of those guys so if you want to read about that you can check that out on our website it's a little bit older but it's over there on our Bengals page Uh, but stay with us in the coming days and weeks because next week we're going to pick up where we left off with uh, more conversations about the draft. I know I said we talk about the what-if question with Joe Burrow yesterday, uh, the day before yesterday rather, but we're going to actually get to that uh, next week. It's going to be a fun podcast next Thursday that you don't want to miss. But once again, for myself, Andrew, and Mike, I'm Muhammad Ahmad. Have a great week.